scripture readings today. The first is from Romans 1:16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And the second is Galatians 4, 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we are beginning a new series today, a series that is on the gospel life and what it means to have the gospel affect us and move in us and change us and transform us. And so it is an eight-week series, uh, and so I want to encourage you to hear, listen to all of those. I hope that it will be beneficial. That's our prayer. Our prayer is that every sermon that we preach is beneficial, but, but in particular, these will give us some uh, context and some language as we speak to one another and we, we proclaim God's love to the world uh, and how we're supposed to do that and what God is supposed to do. And so you hear this word gospel that's out there, and maybe you've heard that word. So, so if you're, you're new to church or you're new to sort of this faith walk, you maybe um, out in the ether has he- have heard gospel before, and it's the gospel truth or uh, um, it's the gospel according to somebody else. Uh, and so you have that in your brain, and you're thinking, okay, what does that actually mean or, or what does that actually say? And for those of us who have maybe been walking in this way for a while, we hear the word gospel, and maybe if you grew up in a church, the first thing that you think of is, oh, good news, good news. The gospel means good news, and it, it does. That It means good news. That's good. It does mean good news. Um, but I think sometimes we say words, and they get used over and over and over again, so much so that they kind of are like um, chewing gum. Uh, and so, you you know, when you get chewing gum that's really good chewing gum, you put it in your mouth and you begin to chew it. And if you're a dentist here or orthodontics, maybe we're not supposed to chew gum anymore. I'm not quite sure, but let's just go with the illustration. You've got chewing gum and you're chewing it. And when you first put it in your mouth, it has that taste, right? That great taste, that awesome taste, the taste that it says on the package that it's supposed to have, right? So whether it's strawberry or mint or, uh, you know, who knows, black currant some weird flavor that you have and you put it in your mouth and you're chewing it and it's yes it's great and you and you're mm-hmm, yeah that's good and depending on the type of gum and depending on uh, the quality of the gum all of a sudden that gum no longer tastes like what it says that it tastes like on and it tastes like nothing it, it really is bland, and it's not worth actually having it in your mouth anymore. And if you're smart, you spit it out. If you're like me, you swallow it. And I think that's what happens with words sometimes for us. So we hear the word gospel, and if you've grown up in the church, you've chewed on that word enough that it's lost the flavor that it had at the beginning. And so sort of it's just now like, mm-hmm, yeah gospel. I wish I could spit this out. Maybe not that harsh. 
And so what I want to do today, hopefully, is allow us to have an understanding, a deeper appreciation, and maybe even fall in love again with what the gospel is foundationally what it is, so that as we continue to go through this series, we can build on that foundation going forward of what it means to have a gospel life. And so we have two passages, and there's lots of passages that we could have looked at throughout all of Scripture, but we have Romans 1, 6, and we have uh, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. And that's in your worship booklet, and so I just encourage you to have that available so you can look at that. It was read to us, and it says, so there's a couple of things that we see first off. First, we recognize that the gospel, in fact, is powerful. It is the power of God to salvation. It is the very thing that God is doing to bring about salvation. So that immediately should tell us that there is a place of bondage or slavery, as we see in Galatians, and there is freedom that is offered in the gospel. That there's a place where we are less than what we're supposed to be, how we were created to be, and there is a way for us to return to what God intended from the very beginning of the world. And that through that, it is the gospel, not just the good news, but it is something about the gospel that is powerful that causes us to move in that direction. And that it is for everyone who believes. That it is for those who were far off and those who were near. It was for the way that Paul puts it here, Jews and then Greeks, meaning that it's for the whole world. It's for every part of creation. It's for those who are out there and those who are in here. So it is powerful to bring about salvation. But then Galatians digs a little bit deeper for us. It lets us know that it comes forth at the perfect time by God through sending Jesus. And in sending Jesus, then he moves us from this place of slavery into being adopted into the kingdom. Adopted into God's family. Now, it says over and over again here the word son. I want you to, in your mind, go, okay, back in that day when son was being said, it's because he was going to talk about being an heir, and so only sons could be heirs, and so I need to say son to get to the word heir, but really he's saying children because we know just above this passage in Galatians, he says there is now neither male nor female, Greek, Jew. He's saying there's particularness about you and who you are, but this is about the children of God, right? And so we recognize that the gospel is about moving us someplace. It's moving us from slavery into being children. I think most of us have grown up, especially if we've been in the church, and this might be a new concept for you as well, believing that the gospel was a one-and-done kind of thing. That it was this thing that we heard the gospel, we responded to the gospel, right? The gospel is Jesus was here, he lived, he died, he was crucified, and he rose again. And because he did those things, I'm saved. If I believe that, then I'm done and over with, good. The gospel has affected me the way that it should, and it doesn't affect me any further. But what I want to propose to you is this, that the gospel is more than just a path to be saved, the gospel is actually the thing that saves us and then empowers us to live our lives completely in Christ. I'll go a step further. The gospel is the thing that informs who we are. Uh, Tim Keller puts it this way. The gospel is not just the ABC of Christian life, but it's the A to Z or Z of Christian life. 
It lets us know all of who we are supposed to be. It moves us in a direction that says, you are now no longer on the outside. You are now on the inside. There is something that God has been doing all along in his steadfast love and pursuit to bring you back into relationship with who God is, with who you are, with who everyone else is, and the place that you live. And so the gospel says it is not anything that you've done, anything that you could have done. Look at that Galatians passage. It is God who sends Jesus Christ, and it is through Jesus Christ that we are adopted. That there's nothing that we do that makes that happen. We, we hear it, and when we hear it, we receive it in faith, and by faith, we believe it. But it doesn't just stop there. In fact, it changes every way that we live. It's interesting that they use the word adoption there, that idea that you are adopted. That at one point you were an orphan, but now you are a child of God. J.I. Packard in his book, Knowing God, says this, Adoption is a family idea conceived in terms of love, and viewing God as a father. In adoption, God takes us into his family and fellowship and establishes us as his children and his heirs. Closeness, affection, generosity are at the heart of this relationship. To be right with God, the judge, is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father is even greater. So the gospel is a both and. See, Jesus comes and he is the one who brings about us standing right before the judge God. But not only that, he is the entryway because we become like him. We become children of God and we're adopted into his, this great family. And so when we begin to recognize that what has happened is my identity has moved from being an enemy of God or being enslaved to sin to being set free to not having judgment over me and being a child of God, then it affects everything about who I am and how I move. Now, last week, what we talked about was that we have to put the primary thing, the primary thing, and let secondary things be secondary things. This is the primary thing. This becomes our primary identity, that regardless of who I am or how I live or how I walk, that primarily when I come into Christ, I become a child of God, and that is who I am above all else, and that I am seen that way. And it is only through God working in Christ that that is able to take place. It is only by his grace and mercy and truth that I am able to move from that place of being against to being with God. And that is the power of the gospel. But it's more than that. <laughs> or there might be an easier way to sum it up. You see, the gospel, sometimes we think it's a system. Or it's a stop. <laughs> right? Like, 
I've done it, now I've, I've got it, I move on. Or it's a system, it's a way that we live, a moral code, that if I'm going to be part of the gospel, it's a moral What's happening today in the world, because the gospel has kind of lost its flavor in our mouth, is we begin to add other things into that in order to get the flavor. If you're like me and you lose the, the, before I swallow that gum, I put another piece of gum in. Right? But sometimes I don't have the gum that I had before, so I put a different piece of gum in that's a different flavor, but at least it gives that fake gum that's now in there a little bit more flavor. I think that's kind of what we've been doing. All you people have mouth phobias. I've really grossed you out today the whole day. <laughs> right? And so we've added these things, and I think that's happening today, is we're like, oh, well, the gospel is this and this if you don't proclaim it this way or you don't hear it this way. But the power of the gospel is deeper than that. Go back to that Romans passage. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Where does God's power reside most fully on this earth that we see? It resides in Christ. We know through Colossians and other places that Jesus is the full representation of who God is. And so the gospel is Jesus. Not just Jesus, but the Christ. The Christ being the anointed one, the Messiah, the King. That See, there's something that's amazing that takes place when Jesus comes in and he says, I am the Messiah, I am the one. That Jesus stands up and he is the Christ. He is the one that is bringing forth his kingdom brand new. And the gospel is about the kingdom of God being moved in Christ. And it affects us both particularly in who we are and globally around us. So it's not just about my individual salvation, but it's about a global salvation that God is doing. He is renewing and making all things new, and that is through Christ, the King. And then it's not just about my individualness in who I am and being set free from sin. It's that all things are being set free. That brokenness is being renewed it's being transformed and changed. That the power of God is in the person of Jesus the Christ. And so when I want to know what the gospel is, when I want to understand the foundation of how it is that one who was uh, uh, far off but now is near, one who was not was an orphan, but is now adopted into the family, when I want to see what that is, I look to Jesus who empowers me and shows me what that is. And I don't need to add anything to it. Because out of Christ, then, we see what is moving, how he moves, and what God is desiring to do. Um, Michael Bird is a theologian from Sydney, and he's written lots of books about the New Testament. He's a New Testament scholar, and so it's good that he's writing books about the New Testament and not the Old Testament. And he says this, the gospel of Jesus the Nazarene, who I would put parenthetically, the Christ, is a justice-bringing, slave-crushing, illness-healing, debt-remitting, low-status-reversing, sin-cleansing, outsider-including, and truth-to-power gospel. 
that Jesus is the one through and by all things that are not are being made what they are supposed to be. And so what that means for us particularly is that when we are not who we are supposed to be, who God made us to be, designed us to be, created us to be, when we are walking in ways and our hearts are turned on themselves and God knows that he's designed us to be turned towards him in glory and honor and praise, it is then Jesus that comes in and empowers and makes the way for us to be transformed so we can walk in the way we were always supposed to walk that we are actually not supposed to be the rebels to the kingdom of God. That we are supposed to cry out to the Christ and follow him. And so the gospel, every day, every moment, when we wake up, is this encounter with the Christ, who is again, quoting Michael Byrd, the justice-bringing, slave-crushing, illness-healing, debt-remitting, low-status-reversing, sin-cleansing, outsider-including, and truth-to-power gospel. It is in him that I find my identity. It is in Christ that I find out particularly who I'm supposed to be in my good things and in my bad things. And it's when we walk away from that, when we begin to turn and say, I'm going to try and figure this out on my own, that we begin to disconnect from that power of the gospel because we're disconnecting from the Christ and we're putting ourselves into our throne room as opposed to Christ being in our throne room. My wife and I were having conversations today, early this morning, um, because I, I, um, I feel a little disconnected at the moment. Because um, I'm prideful, and I know that um, I can do a lot of things in my own power. Um, now, I'm finding out every Saturday just how incredibly weak I am in my personal training time. But, <laughs> but I'm, I, I feel like I'm pretty good. And what I'm beginning to discover is that I am relying on that. That I'm just sort of like, yeah, all right, yep. Gospel's good. Glad I got it. But I'm really living in a way that is very much like, in my own strength. And what I'm feeling is disconnected from the king. And so that's why we need to go through this series. Because <laughs> I need it. That, that's why it's good for us to be together so that we can remind each other that the gospel is not something that's happened to you. It is something that affects all of life. Because it's not just the act, it is the person in that act. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. And so my hope is this, that through this series, as we begin to recognize that the gospel, in fact, is Jesus, and my identity has been moved out of all the muck and mire and stuff that I find my strength in or my weaknesses in, and have been placed completely in Christ, that when we are learning about that, then it will help us to engage in our brokenness better, 
that it will help us receive forgiveness better, that it will then make us those who will go out and repent quicker and then forgive faster, and that by that we will be the aroma of life so much so that people can't help but run towards it who want life. And they'll go, how did you possibly get that thing that keeps its flavor? That it doesn't wear out. Because it doesn't wear out. Because that's how good the gospel is. Because Jesus Christ is good. Let me pray for us. Yeah, you are good, God. And in Christ, you have made us who we are. And so we turn away, we add, we move away, but it is you. You are it. You are the gospel. So bring our hearts to you. Let us, let us respond in this moment even by saying, I, I might be feeling disconnected. I might have turned away, but, but, but you are present, always present. You are always steadfast in your pursuit, in your steadfast love, bringing us back to that place where you say, I am the all in all. I am the one who will give you life, life better than you've ever dreamed. Let us grab hold of that, Father, only in your goodness. So if there's anything that's of you, let it be turned away. Let it burn up. But if it is from you, Father, let it take root in our hearts and let it bring about good fruit and praise and glory for you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you stand and